Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week, we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And just a little reminder, uh, if you want to follow us on Insta, we're Feminists Without Mystique, Twitter, FWM Podcast, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, your family, your colleagues, whoever, let them know. Let them know we're here. We're here, and, and here we are. <laughs> here we are. You know? Yeah. Just... This week, we've got a really hard-hitting uh, <laughs> oh, We're going to talk about Kim and Kanye and Pete and... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna we're gonna address some of the elephants in the room. We're not, you know, this isn't just for entertainment or fun or ha-has or some serious issues here, but um it's twenty twenty two and this is news. <laughs> this is news. This seems to be honestly almost always trending on Twitter in mm-hmm. some form or another. Um it's right up there with the Ukraine crisis in on in terms of Twitter uh, engagements and mm-hmm. what people care about. And while we'll continue to talk about the Ukraine crisis, which seems to just be getting more dire and depressing and scary by the day, we will uh, we're gonna just sort of try to parse through this sort of whole. I don't know, trifecta of uh, personalities and egos and issues, uh, serious issues of these these people in the public consciousness. <laughs> these people who we think we know. We don't know them, but we, we think we do. Yeah. So the briefest of histories, Kim and Kanye dated um, 2020, 2012 to 2014, married in 2014 after having their daughter North. They had three kids after that um, into 2019 when they renewed their vows. In the middle of that, in like 2016, Kanye was hospitalized for a psych eval after acting erratically. Um, and there have been some other things over the years. In 2020, when Kanye was kind of running for president, he got like 60,000 <laughs> votes or something like that. Mm. Um, and then Kim came out and spoke about his bipolar disorder and his mental health. Um so there's a bit of a history to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian started dating sometime sometime recently. At the end of 2021, they were at a not scary farm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. And they were holding hands on a roller coaster ride. <laughs> so they were just friends, but they were holding hands on a roller coaster ride. So uh, <laughs> we know what that's. Up. <laughs> yeah, we know. That's, that's sort of the. Uh, and I think shortly before that is when she hosted that SNL episode that she was on. Mm. Um, so that's sort of how the the Pete and Kim Kardashian story began. And then from there, um, a lot a lot happens. It goes off the rails between between Kim and Kanye, between Pete and Kanye. Um, it's a whole it's a whole mess. Yeah, it does seem like a whole mess. And Pete Davidson also has been public about mental health struggles. We know mm-hmm. that that's sort of something that is just in the mix generally. So it's like both he and Kanye have publicly struggled. Just Pete Davidson has bipolar disorder. He's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, right? Yeah, I believe both Kanye and Pete Davidson have been diagnosed publicly with bipolar disorder. 
Right. Okay. That's what I wanted to make sure. Like, so it just adds a whole layer of, of complexity, I think, to trying to understand this situation and public, increasingly public fights that they've gotten into and mm-hmm. sparring and leaking of text messages. Like, I kind of don't, I don't really, I, I don't really know where to begin, but maybe it makes sense just to begin with what I found, like, at least the most jarring, inappropriate, and scary, which was the um, music video that mm-hmm. Kanye released. Um, was that at the end of February with um, where he decapitated Pete Davidson and buried him alive? Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> that was a pretty distressing – there was distressing imagery there. It was um, – it felt like while it's maybe not – um, illegal because there's a whole range of artistic expression that's allowed. It did feel threatening and really like I'm trying to think of like what at a minimum at a minimum it was threatening, inappropriate, and just incredibly poor judgment for someone who is uh, has four children with this woman and this is her this is who she's dating at this moment and he hasn't to my knowledge or I think you know he hasn't like done anything aside from just be dating Kanye's ex-wife. Like, so more broadly, it seemed abusive. It seemed bullying. It seemed to be um, unhinged. And I, I, when that sort of thing happens, it's like, it's not funny. And it is kind of unsettling to me how many people just sort of are apologists, like Kanye apologists. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I guess, should we call him yay? He legally changed his name and like last year, I guess, like that's another detail that I then, kinda, yeah, I guess we should call him yay. I guess we should call him yay. He legally changed his name to yay last year. Um, anyway, it's any just yay. Any yay. Um, he seems to have this, um, a loose grasp on reality. He seems to think of himself kind of like a god. He seems to hide behind faith, um, in his posts and, um, for someone that tries to seem like a church-going person guided by God and morality, then he turns around and hurls abuses at um, his ex-wife and Pete Davidson. I-, I find the whole thing just sort of gross, and he's protected by his horde of fans. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah, and he so he's made like a couple of videos that are graphically against Pete Davidson, including the beheading and the burying yay said that art is not a proxy for any ill or harm any suggestion otherwise about my art is false and malintended which like i mean no (laughs) (laughs) like when there's this public thing this public dispute i mean i'm not saying that you are you want to go out and behead pete davidson like no Mm -hmm. but if there's this public dispute happening and you're releasing a video where that's happening and you're riling up your fans Mm-hmm. That is something, you know. I'm not saying it's not your art, but in 2022, when you're disseminating your art on social media, even if you have pure intentions that no one will ever do harm, when you're creating that kind of imagery, and previous to that, he told his fans pretty much to like yell at Pete Davidson in the street. Mm-hmm. Um, you put the two together, and it's not a, it's not great. And along like the whole. This whole ride, um, Ye has made a lot of pleas to Kim Kardashian um, to get back together. 
Um, he's made public Instagram posts saying, God, please bring back our, our family together, you know, at a concert that Kim Kardashian was attending after they had broken up and she was dating someone else, Pete Davidson. Um, he said he like changed his lyrics and said, I need you to run right back, baby, more specifically Kimberly, knowing she was there. Um, just a lot of um, public things he's done. He sent her a truck full of roses, posted what was supposed to be private correspondence from pete davidson online which mm-hmm. then you know eventually pete davidson is the same we'll get to that mm-hmm. um in, what i was referring to is when he encourages fans to scream kimye forever at pete davidson at least even public he also leaked private messages from kim kardashian mm-hmm. um which he later said was like oh yeah that looks like i'm harassing her but then he continued to like kind of speak out against her mm-hmm. um he accused her of kidnapping chicago their daughter after she threw a birthday party and didn't and allegedly didn't tell him where he also turned up at a birthday party despite having agreed to host a separate event for her just all kinds of of red flags and it's some of the reporting on this seems like oh it's just like a silly little thing or oh what's happening the drama and you know people would love to hate on kim kardashian mm-hmm. but it is you know if this was a friend in your life or somebody you knew and they were receiving the kinds of things that kim kardashian was receiving from yay mm-hmm. it's like kind of classic um abusive behavior potentially you know you can't say that without being inside the relationship but sending a truck full of roses publicly mm-hmm. making these messages like that it's not just like gossip entertainment like this is a potentially really serious thing you know yeah and didn't he also buy the house across from Mm-hmm. Kim, that wasn't clear to me when he did that, but that feels a little bit, um, you know, just in the context of everything else that he's sort of doing, it's hard not to feel kind of like that's a controlling or a threatening or a kind of manipulative move, whereas maybe mm-hmm. with people who are better on better terms, that might seem like a nice gesture at co-parenting and keeping things copacetic for the kids. But it really seems like he uses the children sometimes as he, he talks about pe- people being pawns will get to the the Sunday and comments and leaked texts mm-hmm. and his comments to DL Hewley too, who he called a pawn. But he does something that I think Trump does sometimes where he's saying things that he knows to be true about like what he's doing or about himself. And he accuses mm-hmm. other people of doing it. So accusing, you know, saying like DL Hewley, you're, you're like a pawn. It's like he is using, or it seems to me like he uses his kids and brings like parenting fights that he stirs up Mm -hmm. uh, into the public sphere he gets super controlling about their daughter I think it's North's TikToks right Uh, Mm -hmm. like she posts TikToks and I guess there was one recently like where they were dancing and had makeup on to Machine Gun Kelly song and Kim also appeared in it and he's he was like he's just like upset that his daughter is using tiktok like other kids are but he bring instead of having these conversations with kim privately he sent he leaks the screenshots or he'll he'll Mm -hmm. go onto instagram part of the reason that this was sort of i found this like a difficult one to research um was because people as you're as i at least as i and i don't i don't feel like i'm living under a rock i have seen these things sort of trending i kind sometimes like sort of flick through and i see what's going on and then i jump back off because i don't 
you know, I'm just not like really following this very closely, but a lot of the time people are referencing Instagram posts or videos um, or stories that have already, you know, he, he takes them down. And then you kind of have to go digging like, well, what did he say? Where's the like, mm-hmm. where's the screenshots of what he said? And it just seems like this, this way of keeping everything so unstable. Um, and I do feel badly for Kim. I mean, I think she can take care of herself very much and knows how to, you know, use tools to mm-hmm. kind of shield herself. And I do feel like this is a lot of emotional abuse and how can you ever really have conversations with your partner and co-parenting just like conversations and really important stuff? They have four kids. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think that he th- these things are going to be used against you and leaked to the public and there's just like a vicious, you know, vicious and rabid fans that are sort of of Kanye's who I think are just like, they're always going to justify what he's doing. Not only that, but he seemed to be ignoring calls from lawyers when it came to figuring out like getting legally considered separated. It just sounds like, like Kanye is just really leaning into like living in his own world, creating his own narrative and, and really trying to foist a, a reality that he wants to exist mm-hmm. onto everyone else. And like, we are in the era of fake news and manipulation. And it's sort of like, you know, this is not, this is not okay. This behavior is not okay. Right. And it's like, if you don't, if you have a, a problem, whatever it is with your daughter posting TikToks as a parent, like, sure, discuss that with the other parent, but mm-hmm. making it public and you know calling on people basically in the public to comment is so irresponsible and just not not the right thing to do and he at one point like posted something insinuating like he never really got to see north or his kids and kim was like you literally saw her this morning you know Mm -hmm. for the school stop and she kim spoke out about the things about um like the tiktoks Mm-hmm. And said, um, as a parent who is the main provider and caregiver for our children, I'm doing my best to protect our daughter while also allowing her to express her creativity in the medium that she wishes with adult supervision because it brings her happiness, which like, fair enough. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I hate the idea of like <sighs> kids doing TikTok at certain ages, but at the same yeah. time, like that's what's happening. Right. You know, and so it's not their fault that we're getting older and we don't, we're, we don't like it. Yeah. You know, but like with... <laughs> Like, as Kim says, with, like, adult supervision and there are worse things in the world. She's not out there murdering people. Right. doing a TikTok. And as much as, like, I even am like, do kids need to do TikTok, though? (laughs) Maybe I'm the one who's behind the times on that. I'm like, yeah, it's fine, you know? Like, and if even if there was an issue, it's not, like, a public forum type of thing, you know? Right. and it's fucked up behavior to be putting this on blast and acting like Kim Kardashian is being an awful mother because right. he doesn't agree with what she's doing, you know? No, it's it's like he has decided that he knows how to parent best. He mm-hmm. knows what's best. It's, it's sort of, um, you know, it's a little bit patriarchal in the way that he's sort of like, I don't want my daughter mm-hmm. doing these. You know, I, I, I get the sense that there's an element of that, uh, that there, that it's like, my daughter, I don't want her on tiktok dancing you know or mm-hmm. putting on makeup and and like you say there's an absolutely a valid criticism to or um and and parents a parental concern about your daughter and north is what is she like nine or 
10? Like she's, uh, she's, she's pretty young, Mm -hmm. like not a teenager yet even, I don't think. So being on TikTok is certainly an open question. It's not like that holding that perspective is, is inherently controlling or Mm -hmm. unreasonable, but bringing it to the public and also not understanding like your kids are going to just, just by virtue of who you guys are, they're going to grow up with a different understanding of, um, public scrutiny and Mm -hmm. utilizing social media and um i think it seems kim's take is uh, is slightly more realistic and you know if you're kind of involved with your kids then it can kind of be a little bit more dynamic and you're kind of included in their world whereas i think if you kind of go the kanye route like in the way that he's behaving you're only gonna maybe alienate your children from kind of letting you in on what's going on and they're not going to listen. Um, anyway, that's just more of like a little bit of a, as, as a non-parent, that's my little, uh, <laughs> like that's my take on that. But it just, I guess the, the way that he's uh, bringing his kids into this, into these squabbles, like n- not just the TikTok situation, but sort of like you say, the birthday party, like or going to um, games, like Saint, I think one of the, inciting factors from Sunday was like, I changed, I changed a church service so that I could go to St. one of their kids, like soccer games or, Mm -hmm. and like, and there's some sort of element I think of, and he, he talks about like, I drove, I drove to and from, it was three hours, one way. Like there's this sort of the details that he's providing to his fans are a little bizarre. Like, are you wanting, are you wanting us to feel bad for you? Are you wanting us to pat, who are we supposed to be patting you on the back for your parenting skills or like your, your presence, like in your kids' lives? I'm, I'm just not really clear on why the information that you're providing to social media is like really relevant at all to what you're talking about. I don't know. Yeah. And like, I feel a little bad for Kim Kardashian because I feel like she's always kind of been treated publicly. I mean, she's made a ton of fucking money and she's gotten mm-hmm. all kinds of deals, but there've been a lot of people who've treated her shittily, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's this respect of Kanye as an artist or Ye as an artist that is not afforded to Kim as a businesswoman. And so there's this very weird sort of like open court happening that's drenched in, drenched in misogyny and to be fair, there's certainly um, Ye has made some statements about like, these are my like black children that you're keeping from me and him wanting to be involved um, in their lives. And that is certainly fair. But at the same time, it seems like the things that he's been doing lately are problematic uh, type of things. And with his you know mental health history that he's been upfront about, and to be clear, most people with mental health issues or mental illness aren't you know violent or, or doing anything like that but he does have issues um that he's spoken out about he's gotten treatment treatment for it's hard to kind of watch this play out in the in the public <laughs> realm kanye uh was not happy when you know kim kardashian was declared single legally mm-hmm. um which happened earlier this month and I feel like that's also when some of the hate towards skeet <laughs> happened, which is what uh, yeah, is called uh, Pete Davidson and skeet. And there were some recent uh, text messages um, that were very 
volatile. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Davidson finally responded to Gay, and then those tweets or those tweets, those texts were published where Pete said, "Yo, it's Skeet. Can you please take a second, and calm down? Uh, it's eight a.m. and it don't." gotta be like this kim is literally the best mother i've ever met what she does for those kids is amazing you're so fucking lucky that she's your kid's mom i decided i'm not gonna let you treat us this way anymore i'm dubbing quiet grow the fuck up <laughs> and then yay said oh you using profanity where are you right now and then pete said in bed with your wife <laughs> um and then yay said happy see you're out of the hospital and rehab and pete said same here it's wonders what those places do when you try to get help you should try it i'm in la for the day if you want to meet if you want to stop being a little internet bitch boy and talk and so it's like <laughs> I'm not like thrilled with anybody. Like, like I get what Pete. I get the def- like trying to defend his girlfriend, and it's nice you're saying she's a great mom, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then it's like he says things like in bed with your wife, and like like the it's just sort of like I'm not. Uh, I'm not <laughs> super impressed, you know. Right. right. Like, I get that you know Pete feels like he needs to like speak out and speak up and and all that but then he's just he's not just speaking up for kim mm-hmm. he's also just like throwing these jabs in there mm-hmm. like you're both fucking babies you know yeah. like and there's a lot of stuff about like what's the appeal of pete davidson and why is he dating all these hot women it's like because yeah, he's funny and like right right people like funny people like you know there's he's not this like weird grotesque being that i think other men think he is i don't know like yeah he's a, he's a funny guy and that's appealing and you know but i think there's some essence of truth in what he's saying to yay and some things where it's like you're just now you're just trying to which i i understand he's been <laughs> kind of targeted and there's a video released of him being murdered by him and right i'd be upset too so i'm not hating on pete for it but it's just sort of like i don't know guys Right, right. You kind of just wish that in this scenario there was one person you could like truly root for and be like, and just be kind of above it, like a little better. You know, I don't know how I would react if someone was being like, it's so hard to put yourself in any of these people's positions because it's Mm -hmm. such a surreal like conflict. But I do wish that um, Pete Davidson, really what he should do and what I love, I love when this happens is when you know, these people just take it to SNL and be funny, like do what you do best, which is like act this out through comedy, poke fun at it. And he was mm-hmm. sort of in one of the screenshots saying like, I told, I've told SNL, I've, I've helped keep this out of like jokes on SNL because they've really mm-hmm. wanted to joke about it. And it's like, that is, um, I can see, you know, from my perspective, that's where it belongs is on SNL, you know, um, stuff that's public knowledge. So, and that's what you do best. And like, that's where you should be able to lampoon Kanye and and kind of and frankly get away with it like because that's yeah that's the whole thing it's a whole thing so yeah yeah I feel like Pete was trying to be like classy there you know yeah this <laughs> guy yeah. like, I'm not letting my comedian friends talk about it it's not on SNL and um it's like I don't want my girl's kid's father to like look a certain way right um but which is nice very nice but it's, it's already out there you know mm-hmm. um so and he's I'm doing sh- it to himself like yeah it's it's a it's a tough one it's a tough one because it's like there are plenty of people who have bipolar disorder who aren't publicly kind of like stalking their wives ex-wives and doing yeah. you know it, it's sort of 
we need to be like cognizant of his mental illness and aware of it and compassionate towards it. But it's also, I feel like it almost, it's irresponsible to act as if like, oh yes, well he has bipolar disorder. So this is what he does. It's like, no, that's not, there are plenty of people living with bipolar disorder who aren't abusive. That's not part of it, you know? No. Um, so it's hard to sort of toe the line between being compassionate towards yay and what he's going through and also like you're antagonizing fans and people to kind of attack other people um you know what do you what do you do there it's not a and that's the thing is like this isn't like a fun gossip story like it's no it's there are four kids uh, involved if you just count kim and, and yay's kids and not like nieces and nephews and cousins um mm-hmm. it's all it's all around awful you know it's like i i don't i'm not rooting for or against anyone in this it's just like oh, dang i hope this family can work it out yeah and i don't think anyone involved is an awful person i think that there are people who act like yay is like an awful piece of shit and i don't mm-hmm. think he is i think he's figuring things out i don't think kim kardashian is awful either i think people like to say that she is because she's a woman who at one point had a sex tape and now she's got a lot of money and yeah you know and i don't think pete davidson's bad either i don't i don't think anyone here is a bad person it's just such a clusterfuck of things yeah yeah right um i know kim kim has her own set of like i I do not think she's a bad person. She just continues to make decisions or she'll say dumb shit like she's been rightly. She's working hard. Yeah. I mean, that was Mm -mm. how. (laughs) Maybe you don't want to work hard anymore. Girl. That was saying you don't work hard, but so do the rest of us. We don't get billions of dollars from Spanx and whatever. Skins. Right skims i mean mm-hmm. so yeah and for anyone who doesn't know what we're referring to um kim in a variety shoot um for her upcoming season uh, the new season of like basically the kardashians yeah um which like, is over but which somehow. is over but i guess coming back uh <laughs> she said like get your fucking ass up and work it seems like no one wants to work these days and then um uh not courtney was it Courtney? Courtney, yeah. Courtney was like, that's so true. Um, I mean, like, the whole – it was so out of touch in a moment where just, like, you don't – how dare you? And also mm-hmm. people in your own companies have said that you um, have, like, you owe them back pay. You have underpaid. You are exploitative in different ways that are just totally typical of, like – lots of work workplaces um it's ridiculous that you would stand there and sort of say that um yeah. you have benefited from a lot of things uh, yeah, who proved that like when those kinds of things happen you wonder like you've got your entourage is too close to you because mm-hmm. someone should have told you this was a really fucking bad idea right right and no one did and that you know you're you're surrounded by yes men clearly because that was such an off fucking off base out of touch ridiculous thing to say in this climate so i mean to say ever but particularly now right so (laughs) so she could should be rightly called out for all that type of dumb Mm -hmm. shit but you know just like everyone she says stupid stuff she's just like a rich all three women yeah they're all all... of things where it's like you need to sit down (laughs) with yourself and your thoughts (laughs) and your words 
well, we can't all be perfect like Lord Disick, at Lord Disick on Instagram. That's true. <laughs> God, Scott Disick. I mean, truly the my favorite character of everyone on this show because he's just so um, – like pure selfishness, pure self-involvement. Mm-hmm. And he manages, it's like, but it is very funny, but it's also equal parts problematic and funny. That's, he's like the distillation of just like yucky, yucky capitalism. Oh Worse than the Kardashians for me. Dating the babiest of babies too. Yeah. Like how old is Scott Disick now? Because he was dating Amelia Gray. He was like 18, 19. Or, he, I, he's another. They're every, I don't know. I had to bring him up just because like. Gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But he at least, like, he's up front. You know what you're getting with Disick. Has he ever, yeah, he, he, he's never he's, disappointed me because I've never, I've never expected. had an expectation, yeah. not a single expectation for I've that. Never wanted from that him. boy. <laughs> he is a boy. He's probably like 45 now, but he's still, I mean, he date. yeah, he dates young women, which is pretty, like, he's gross. It's all, yeah. Oh, God, it's yucky. Mess. There's a lot of mess involved in all of this. Um, Ugh, yeah, they're all they're all yucky. I mean, and but I think the I think that the the most unsettling part of this because it's right like you say like this is not um, I'm not really like this is not fun like this topic. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do like fun fun topics or like little, but this is just yeah. like ugh, this this one gives me a headache because I. I genuinely feel like Ye is um, just kind of going down a path where he's he's alienated a lot of people close to him, artists, friends, family. He's going to be alienating his kids the way that he's behaving and what he's kind of saying and doing. He's making life tougher for himself um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't know how you how you win back more custody from this behavior. Um, and lashing out at people saying things like to DL Hewley, he was like, DL, God does not like you. You have no favor. Your family hates you. I would hate to be related to somebody who used who used to be famous. Now you now you just known as a broke pawn. Um like it's God hates you? Yikes. Yeah, <laughs> like he's wielding he's wielding his faith around in a way that's sort of like he both it's like self-serious and um like uh almost like he I mean it's it's and self-obsessed I mean he he's a self-obsessed person but like I I just um feel like his behavior I mean we we talked about how Britney Spears had to be in a conservatorship for arguably less erratic behavior less dangerous behavior in some instances so I just don't know um but yet it's kind of seen as like just funny and people are gawking and and many many people are just still supporting yay in all of this and I just wonder like when like at what point is this gonna be I like really kind of taken seriously (laughs) yeah it's like a bit scary like it's um being treated as a sort of like gossipy thing to watch rather than like potentially something very serious. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't want to read an awful headline about the situation and it's like, what do we have to do culturally to get to a place where if this happens, the common dialogue is this is wrong and fucked up and dangerous in these ways rather than that being like the fringe discussion 
you right. know, and the, and the mainstream commentary is like, <laughs> wacky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is kind of fun. It's like, no, it's not fun yeah. for anyone involved. None of none of these people are having fun in this. No. Um, each of them has a ton of privilege in their own ways. Um, but several of them have their own struggles as well. And we're not doing ourselves any favors by glamorizing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, yay needs help. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not, it's not a fun, cute little story that's happening. No, 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 it's all, it's just not great. It's not, it's great. not great. And like, no. hope, like, I don't know how it gets remedied. Yeah. Um, in a positive way, but I wouldn't even talk about Julia Fox, but. Uh, I've got jobs. <laughs> <laughs> When Yay dated her for a minute, and then she was just basically like, I'm just here for the attention, you guys. Yeah. Um, respect the hustle. That was uh, quick. <laughs> yeah. When Yay dated this model and then like had her wear things that were very similar to things Kim wore. And mm-hmm. then there were these articles about how she was like, oh, heartbroken at the airport. And she was like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> like, I'm fine. Like, it's not like whatever. And then she just sort of like, kind of outed herself as a social climber but in like a fun way yeah (laughs) she's got her whole thing going on now um yeah random side character and all of this that really wants to like she wants the limelight from it 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 feels strongly whereas everyone else is just sort of like at least at least pete and um kim don't seem to want it but looking into this researching i i was remembering things about like yay that I, I I just hadn't really like I forgot I forgot that he ran for president I forgot that he was that he's anti-choice I forgot that he has a three-part series on Netflix called genius I forgot that he watched it watched you did watch three it parts. yeah Charlie watched it oh, all how I mean I just I only it just didn't seem like how was it i can't really speak to it because i didn't watch it <laughs> yeah i didn't want i didn't watch all of it i, I do want to finish it it was just sort of something where it's like my husband's watching it and i'm like eh, okay i'm watching it too but like i didn't get to watch the last part mm. um i mean it did part i did feel endeared to him in in certain ways and i think it really did showcase the talent that he has mm-hmm. um it showcased his relationship with his mother and how much her death really shook him and fucked him up and like that famous moment with taylor swift where like i'm gonna let you finish but beyonce had the best album of the year visual album of the year whatever was like very very shortly after she died and and she was like Mm. the central figure in his life and there was a lot that came from that and so watching it i did definitely i i have i didn't have an absence of compassion for him i've i i've always had some I don't know, I was in my formative years when certain albums of his came out and mm-hmm. it was an interesting perspective to see him in this like raw footage as like a young guy and like him making his way up and kind of seeing like the, the yay now in him then and seeing what has changed and what is the same. And yeah, I do want to finish it and I would recommend, you know, it does, it, not that, I mean, he's a human, he doesn't need to be humanized, but at the same time, he's just, he's had such an, an ego mm-hmm. publicly for such a long time that I did in, enjoy seeing him um, and kind of his come up in that I didn't 
I didn't know his story before yeah. watching it. Um, mm-hmm. And his friend at the time basically started recording this decades ago. Um, mm. So it is it is interesting, and I do want to finish it. Um, but it's also sad because yeah. he he is a really fucking talented artist, and he's clearly going through something. Mm-hmm. Which again is why this isn't like fun light. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's it's sad for everyone involved. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like funny. No one's winning. Like it's just a it's a bummer of the situation yeah. with very very some of the most famous people in the world and Pete Davidson. You know, yeah. who <laughs> soon will be in the cover of Time magazine and maybe our president. Like right. Oh, I'm my. not sure. Like <laughs> I certainly would have hooked up with him in my early twenties, probably mid twenties, maybe yeah. late twenties. But like that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm in my thirties now. Um, anyway, I digress. <laughs> But I digress. Uh, yeah. Um, he has too many tattoos for me. Um, I, like, I like a man who's been scribbled on. I, yeah, it's not a... Not, my husband has no tattoos. I don't, but <laughs> historically I have. <laughs> yeah, so that's so funny. And, and my fiance has two tattoos, but um, they're yeah. not... Uh, it's yeah, it's more of like sleeves and like I the chest tattoos are just not my they're not my aesthetic. Yeah. Um. But hey, Pete Davidson, he's very funny. Um, and seems like a nice guy. So mm-hmm. Maria would not hit it. The record, <laughs> let the record show. <laughs> I feel like I mean I don't know. It depends on there's at least which bar were we at? <laughs> yeah, there there are certain nights or years I think it could have. Yes, but it yeah. wouldn't be like a universal like. Yeah, she would have been like, well, if if certain know. if the stars um, aligned the stars or aligned. disaligned, I think is probably the if things were really kind of more of like a um, an off kilter violin sound, then yes, mm-hmm. probably. No, she would have done it. She would have done it. <laughs> done the deed. <laughs> The deed with the David. <laughs> um, yeah, neither he, you know, but that's neither here nor neither there. Here nor there. Um, just a bummer of a situation overall. Uh, and I, you yeah. know, I, I can't help but like be nervous about what feels like probably like when the Kim and Pete thing doesn't work out. Just kind of like feeling kind of sad for Kim preemptively. Just kind of like okay you've just I mean like you've been dragged through the mud by your ex and like if it's not work you know if it doesn't work with P because he's had so many high profile relationships recently um that I'm just a little preemptively kind of like nervous for her and just want like even though I have no stake in her life and I don't really particularly like her but I don't dislike her like I hope she's okay after this and I know that it's kind of shitty that I might be like calling it an after already but i just you know i get nervous <laughs> i wish them all the best and it would suck if like all this energy gets put in this relationship it doesn't work out mm-hmm. i mean he's getting older he's five he's 28 now he was younger when he wow. was dating ariana grande and whatnot and engaged to her and yeah. um and uh who, yeah i would love i think like this joke's been said but like 
her walking into his like basement apartment in Staten yeah. Island, or his mother's house, his house yeah. too. Yeah. Like he lives in the basement. <laughs> right. It's pretty funny that that's yeah, and she's <laughs> she's probably just enjoying like someone who's I assume kind of kind of normal, even though he's not because he's got like <laughs> access to money and fame and whatnot but as far as who kim kardashian dates it feels like he's a, a normie yeah oh a, a cat has entered the uh, recording frame yeah um, he's in the way he's in the way he's beautiful uh he certainly sometimes he does this thing where he just um like <laughs> wants to go the most awkward route to get to a chair like so he comes here to make a little statement he anyway. wanted to go it seemed he wanted to go inside the lampshade but he he moved on he moved on anyway so sorry to distract from the point you were making oh it's fine Hats <laughs> <laughs> are better <laughs> anything else on this fame trifecta clusterfuck before we move on I don't think so. I just, I mean, yeah, I can't feel bad about like having an opinion on it because it's been it's been made public so intentionally. Yeah. Um, right. I just, I really do, from the bottom of my soul, hope that like they all work it out and find happiness and peace in their lives, and that mm-hmm. the all the the kids involved have you know both parents there for them in the way they need, plus any partners their parents are dating. I just hope it like we'll look back on this time and be like oh that was a hot ass mess <laughs> they figured it all out i hope it's not like we look back and we're like oh that was the beginning of like the great whatever of 2022 you know like yeah this just be something that was kind of messy publicly for a minute and then like everyone involved it's fine the kids are gonna be fine everyone's gonna be fine we're all gonna be fine it's just that would be great yeah yeah it's my hope because uh, i don't i'm not a big fan of anyone involved i also don't have anything against any of them and like Ye's music's great. I enjoy Pete's comedy, and mm-hmm. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't been sick and watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians for hours on end at different points in my life. Um, yeah, she seems like a fine person. So, and I now can say I have I bought I have a wedding coming up. I am not feeling at my like absolute best. I bought some Skims because I read some good Ooh, reviews. She some skims. And that thing, whew, it sucks everything in. It does the job. (laughs) I'm not sure how exactly I'm going to finagle peeing because I'm wearing a jumpsuit. I'm going to have the skims, which like they're, it's a. Are they crotchless? No, they have, they have the crotch, (laughs) but like it has the little strap, um, not straps. I wish the audience could see what you're. (laughs) I'm like pinching like a crab. (laughs) What are you conveying? they, They have the little snaps. Kind of like down in the crotch, so Got that it's, like a onesie, it's a, like a baby it's a onesie. onesie. It's like a baby onesie skim, and then on the other side you have the like the jumpsuit. So like when I have to pee, it's just going to be a whole thing where like the whole jumpsuit has to come off, and then the skims have to come up. <laughs> it's just going to be Working. the engineering will be worked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they're. I hope they're single bathrooms instead of like stalls. Those are the types where then when there's stalls, you're like, I'm fully naked, just trying to pee in, in what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, peeing fully naked feels a bit much. In public, it feels a lot. It feels yeah. like. Bad. Wait, it, that was quite a quick. <laughs> in public, like, it feels like a lot. Do you <laughs> prefer to pee naked alone? <laughs> Do you take off all your clothes when you get in the bathroom? Are you one no, of those? No, I'm definitely not. 
I don't, I would say I don't pee naked probably ever, but that's why the only reason it would happen is Uh because you're in a jumpsuit slash like onesie skins jumpsuits and in stalls, there's just people around and you're like, little do they know, or maybe they do. Yeah. It doesn't feel comfortable to be like naked in the stall when people are around. No, it doesn't because they're, you know, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, it's a fun little trans. Another little topic. <laughs> we'll do that. Another. You know what we should do a topic on is um, like spanks and all the different uh, like things that mm. keep women in. And I did do a we see you on the ad for like honey love or whatever it is for mm. because again, you literally search for one thing re- related to wedding or party or like reception dress and. Instagram knows that you're going to want to suck things in. And so that's marketed like daily, you know, anyway, whatever. And now for We See You. All right. Christopher Rufo. Mm. Mm. So he is a right wing uh, douchebag who has been credited uh, with inventing the conflict surrounding critical race theory. So Mm. real top-notch Kyle. Uh, He is now going after sex education because of course. um, Specifically targeting a summer workshop series in rural Kentucky called Sexy Summer Camp. um, And it provides teenagers as well as people of all ages with separate classes based on age group. um, A space to discuss consent, anatomy, and engaging with sex and masturbation safely. Um, So this is a reportedly really helpful program for people in the area it, it was started as a nonprofit because of the need in the area for access to sex education um and mm-hmm. rufo he per i would say purposely um misrepresented the program uh because it's all ages he implied that kids and adults receive the same lessons which is not true at all and that he also said that masturbation is demonstrated at this uh, summer camp, which it's not um, wow. on actual genitalia. Like there are different classes for teenagers and adults and masturbation is talked about and like positive sex experiences. It's demonstrated on hand, like a hand in a hand. Everyone's wearing full clothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just about trying to, you know, to demonstrate um, positive, you know, sexual fulfillment Mm. um and of course since rufo published his little thread uh they discussed this educational program on the ingraham angle as well as uh winners like ben shapiro and matt walsh brought it up um and this led to the staffers and the educators of this program being doxxed um and having to anonymously go into safe houses because of the number of death threats they received um with people calling them witches predators pedophiles and say they need to be murdered or arrested uh so all of these things are happening Mm -hmm. and why do we need sex ed why does this matter um according to the cdc health profile less than half of high schools and only one-fifth of middle schools teach all 16 topics recommended by the cdc as necessary components of sex ed um this is very very basic information like how to prevent stds um one of the people behind the program says we teach people about their bodies, that their bodies are their own, and that all people deserve to decide what happens to their bodies without external influence or coercion. Uh, we know our work will be distorted by those with their own political agendas, but we will not be silenced. 
<laughs> and I feel like this is, you know, we talked about book bannings recently. Um, we've talked about critical race theory um, and the absurd <laughs> drama around it that shouldn't exist. And of course, now right. we're talking about sexual education and a program that exists specifically so that kids, teenagers, and young adults have access to information that they need. Mm-hmm. Of course, kids should be educated about it. Like, where where do they think that these kids are going to get this information from? <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. I remember Ben Shapiro and the WAP video and <laughs> the full confusion <laughs> that resulted. And so I was, like seeing him speak out against this. It's like, yeah, sure. Right. You, I wish I could go back in time, Ben Shapiro, and like subscribe you to the sexy summer camp. Um, <laughs> like, I, I read this interesting uh, opinion. It was like in the comments a few weeks ago. Uh, that I I made a note of that I feel like relates to this, that conservatives feel like ideas come from the outside. So if you can mute discussion of a thing you don't like, that that thing will stop existing. Mm -hmm. And that is not how it works. Right. (laughs) Things continue to exist whether or not you want them to. Mm -hmm. Um, And with sex stuff, I mean, of course, there are people who are asexual and that's valid and live your lives, but the majority of people are sexual beings children and teens feel sexual feelings Mm -hmm. whether or not you educate them they're gonna feel things and do things yeah so it's great especially in a world where you know i don't remember ever receiving education around pleasure sexually or masturbation or anything like that no yeah i think having um responsible adults there to teach teens about that and about what is supposed to feel good and what doesn't feel good and what it all means Mm mm-hmm it's an incredibly, incredibly helpful resource. Um, and having these people acting as if uh, these programs are doing something awful or tainting their children when they're actually just explaining things yeah, that people are already experiencing. It's just, right. it's, it's gross. And it's just another in this um, awful line of anti-educational mm-hmm. things that's been coming out. Like, Kids are going to find answers. They're going to think of their own things. Like I remember yeah. in elementary school, one of my friends was like, your period is when a pebble falls out of your vagina. <laughs> and she felt that. She thought that wow. because that's what she had decided. And we didn't have it, you know, it's like, yeah. okay. And then we're, it's spreading like wildfire. Like, no. Right. Kids are going to figure it out. Teens yeah. are going to figure it out. Let's have a nice safe space where they can learn not only what is like sexual pleasure, what does that mean, but also what is safe sex. What is consent? You know, these are all important things that need to happen. And fuck these motherfuckers who are trying to get in the way of of it. So we see you. Ugh, we see you. It's so disappointing. And yeah, that's just, uh, like you say, people are going to, like, kids are going to be curious and have and feel feelings and do things. And they're, they'll, it'll be more unsafe and more sort of problematic for everyone if they don't um if there isn't like a space for them to learn in a healthy way uh okay so jane campion i'm so mad at her so jane campion is um a director you typically usually respected direct um director um and she won um the critics choice award for best director on sunday for the power of the dog which was a film I enjoyed. 
Um, and she had actually had a bunch of goodwill built up because um, another actor had sort of shit all over the power of the dog, making like weird homophobic remarks and sexist remarks, and then just sort of like generally kind of like spewing sort of weird vitriol um, that about power of the dog. So people were really on Jane Campion's side. Like she had so much goodwill built up from this um, weird campaign against power of the dog. So anyway, so she walks into Sunday night with a lot of goodwill. Oops. And I bumped <laughs> glasses against the mic. She walks in Sunday night um, with a lot of goodwill to these awards. She wins the award for best director. And then she just bizarrely says in her acceptance speech, she turns her attention to Venus and Serena Williams, the tennis, world tennis, world-renowned tennis stars, who are um, there because they have been nominated um, for King Richard, their sort of autobiographical um, movie that was also amazing with Will Smith about kind of how hard it was for them to come up and um, their kind of their origin story and their relationship with their dad. Um, but they were executive producers, so, uh, they were nominated also, but not nominated for best director. So they weren't even in her category, but she turned to Venus and Serena and she said, Venus and Serena, you're marvels, but you don't have to compete against the men like I do. Oh man. Um, it was so cringy. Context doesn't help. I'm, I'm, you don't need more of the context, but if you did watch more of it, it doesn't help. And the look on um, Venus's face says it all. Like people laugh awkwardly and clap, but it's like, I felt instantly uncomfortable. Um, and it, this is such an unforced error. It's ignorant. It's engaging in oppression Olympics where you have absolutely no business. Um, it was graceless and it was also wrong because both Venus and Serena have, um, been in mixed doubles with men and they've also had to deal with uh not just sexism but racism and classism and just and and constantly being told that they are not good enough or their anger is like absolutely inappropriate their beads like there's a documentary that Ava DuVernay did with um and um there was a part of that uh, documentary where they focus on we we all know the incident where Serena got really upset um, and people were like, that was unsportsmanlike behavior. And she was, you know, and, and it was just like, even though we know that a lot of men are constantly unsportsmanlike and they're never actually called out for that at all. Um, there have been many instances with Serena where they're calling her unsportsmanlike or she's not able to wear um, a specific thing that she that's just like performance wear because it's not a fucking skirt. Um and she also, anyway, there's been lots of things there, but with Venus, there was an incident with, um, where she had beads in her hair. Um, and, uh, during one, uh, game, the beads got knocked out and she almost got disqualified from that match and was like crying. And it was just sort of like, and this is just sort of, there's just constantly things that Venus and Serena have had, have faced, um, throughout their lives. And then to be, at the Critics' Choice Awards and kind of uh, to be just sort of like singled out and then dis and dismissed or diminished by this like white woman. There have been lots of takes on Twitter that say this is exactly what's wrong with white feminism. And I do, it really, really wounds me because first of all, there aren't that, like, there are still not a lot of representation of women in film. And for Jane Campion to stand up there and to just single out two women of color, like, and just, 
shit on them weirdly, like diminish them and their accomplishments when they weren't even in your category. And it was like weird. Like I, I, I think she thought it was a compliment, but it was like, it was oppression Olympics. It was like, you don't have to compete against men. It was like, why is your brain even going there? You just won best director, um, for your film and you, you're using your energy to turn and put down other women and it's other women of color. This is exactly what this is. Of course, this is what's wrong with, with white feminism. And this is, and it's so frustrating. It's so cringy and sad and frustrating to watch. Um, I was so disappointed to see this. I, I, I was actually also disappointed to see that not a lot of people were calling her out. There was a lot of women of color calling her out, but like white women film Twitter, like, where are you? You know, there was so many people that were like Yas queening her when she called, um, when she clapped back at the actor, I'm just forgetting his name, um, who was shitting all over her film. You know, she called him a, she actually said he was being like a little B-I-T-C-H. People were like, yes, yes. You know, it's like, where are you when, you know, this woman turns around and just diminishes Venus and Serena for literally no reason. Like she did apologize yesterday. Um, thank God. Um, she said, uh, let's see. She said, <laughs> I just want to read it so that we give her the credit that she actually did apologize, but you know, it took too long. Um, she said, I made, I made thoughtless comments equating what I do in the film world with all that Serena Williams and Venus Williams have achieved. I did not intend to devalue these two legendary black women and the world class and world-class athletes. She added, excuse me, the fact that the Williams sisters have actually squared off against men on the court and off, and they've both raised the bar and opened doors for what is possible for women in this world. The last thing I would ever want is to, to do is minimize these remarkable women. I love Serena and Venus. Their accomplishments are titanic and inspiring Serena and Venus. I apologize. And I, completely celebrate you. So, okay. It's just, I mean, the harm is already done. You already were super ignorant. That's like what you chose to spend your time in the spotlight doing. Um, and I also just think it's kind of like Venus and Serena are not only like boss, like tennis players and business women and, uh, but they've managed to also get themselves nominated for, um, like a executive producers on a major Hollywood film, um, starring Will Smith. So they, they're, they're in what you, pro you Jane Campion probably consider your house. Like, are you jealous that they've transcended? They've managed to also come and be nominated for the highest award in film, um, like near you. I'm just, I'm so frustrated. I'm so disappointed in her. There are so few women, you know, prominent female directors. Um, and she's been a longstanding one. She's been not like, she's been celebrated for a very long time and I'm just, I'm super disappointed in her. So we see you. Yeah, we see. That was a very, <laughs> quite a moment. <laughs> oh, you're going to, you're going to ruin this whole. Okay. Yes, okay. okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Miss. Um, so turning red is a, film directed by uh, Domi Shi telling the story of Mai Lin, a Chinese-Canadian 13-year-old basically going through puberty, living her life, um, battling the ups and downs of the early 2000s with her friends, her mom. Um, it, it's, in my opinion, quite a relatable film about a coming-of-age story. Um, <laughs> Sounds like it. On, yeah, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's been pretty widely acclaimed as a creative look at that period of time in your life um essentially the the protagonist she 
turns into a red panda <laughs> certain, when she hits a certain age. Um, and yeah, it, they're just, there's some great, some great moments, but cinema blend, everyone's favorite source. <laughs> My go-to source. <laughs> our go-to source for everything. Cinema blend. I've heard of it before today. Um, their managing director, Sean O'Connell, uh, wrote a review where he was talking about how he can't connect with the film. It's limiting. He said, by rooting Turning Red very specifically in the Asian community of Toronto, the film legitimately feels like it was made for Domi Shi's friends and immediately family, immediate family members. Um, and that is the, the director of the film. Which is fine, but also a tad limiting in its scope. Why is it limiting that the story is taking place in the Asian community of Toronto? <laughs> Why can no one relate to this film? Because it is in the Asian community in Toronto. <laughs> Unclear, Sean O'Connell. Um, I feel like coming-of-age stories are so popular in part because of how relatable they are universally. No matter who who is at the center of the story, you can relate <laughs> because you've gone through some sort of similar experience. Mm-hmm. But apparently for Sean O'Connell... If it's about an Asian girl, how do I possibly ever relate to this? And the the thing is, like, he didn't just say, I couldn't relate to the film Turning Red. He said, by rooting Turning Red in the Asian community of Toronto, wow, it's limiting. Oh, my. So are all films about white men and anywhere limiting to people who are, you know, like where, how did you think about this and write it down and throw it out there, Sean O'Connell? He hit publish on this. He hit publish on it. It was like, yep, I can't, can't relate. Can't relate. This is a hot take. Nailed it. Publish. (laughs) Yep. Publish. It's about Asian people in another country. I can't possibly. In the um, the land far away known as Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> yeah, it was an incredibly uh I am not part of the Asian community of Toronto and I did relate to the film. Um <laughs> part of the Southern California whites and I still <laughs> still relate to the film. Um so I mean this is just a Sean O'Connell is one of, of plenty of of white men who aren't able to relate when stories are about girls or women particularly if they are about girls or women of color whereas girls and women and people of color and girls and women of color grow up with so many stories where white boys and men are the protagonists that Mm -hmm. you can relate you relate to the heart of the story you relate to the character you relate to what they're going through you don't need to look exactly like them to relate to their story so right it seems like Sean needs a little bit of empathy, compassion, and understanding about uh, people that don't look just like him. But we see you to him for calling this film limiting and calling out the fact <laughs> that it was about Asian people as as being the you know yeah can't possibly relate. We see you. It was so ridiculous. The Ugh. most universally like mm, we see you. Wow. Yeah, we see you. It's a cute movie too. It's a good movie. I know. I want to check it out. I want to check it out. It's a good little, cute little film. Cute little flick. Cute film. Yeah. Um, This we see you is to um, Joe Manchin. So I'll keep it quick. He's a VIP of our. (sighs) Thank God. He. mm. 
He is just, he was on my last nerve like years ago at this point. Um, so he has caused through his lack of support, because um, of course he's the 50th senator, we we need him on all nominees and all votes in the Senate. Um, he's caused uh, President Biden's nominee for the Federal Reserve's top bank regulator, um, Sarah Bloom Raskin, had to withdraw from consideration because Joe Manchin joined the Republicans in opposing her. Um, Matt Fuller uh, on Twitter tweeted, uh, sometimes it's just the littlest things with Joe Manchin that annoy me. You're not, quote, unable to support her nomination. You're, quote, unwilling. You know, because he, he, Joe Manchin said, I'm unable to support the nomination of Sarah Bloom Raskin. So he does put things in these terms that are incredibly infuriating and passive. I'm, you know, I'm unable. There's no way that I, I could ever vote for her. I'm unable. It's like, no, you've decided not to. You've decided not to vote for her. Um, he doesn't want to vote for her because she has a, her, her, one of her focuses is on uh, climate change and climate policy. And um, she would bring that perspective to um, bank banking regulations. Um, seems like a positive to me generally. Um, it's also odd that Joe Manchin in his comments said, um, quote, I'm very reluctant to go down the path of electric vehicles. I'm old enough to remember standing in line in 1974 trying to buy gas. I don't want to have to be standing in line waiting for a battery. So it's um, it's a comment that doesn't make a whole, whole lot of sense to me. Um, it feels like, look, I know that he's from West Virginia and he wants to represent the interests of his constituents, and but he also wants to um, represent the, the interests of of himself. Um, he is, has deep ties to the oil, um, oil industry and the coal, coal industry, um, in West Virginia. Um, he is someone who founded two coal companies in the 1980s. Um, today, both of those are led by his son. Um, and his fortune, um, as Robert Reich pointed out, um, his fortune relies on allowing the fossil fuel industry to keep wreaking havoc on our planet. And that does seem to be true. Um, we can get into the nitty gritty of electric vehicles and um, Joe Manchin's perspective on this nominee, but it really just seems like he is someone who is palling around with f- the fossil fuel industry. Um, he isn't prioritizing climate, um, like progress on the climate, but he's also not prioritizing like infrastructure, you know? Um, what is he fucking doing? He's not doing shit. He is not doing shit. Um, and actually this was funny today. I was talking to, uh, Campbell about this, my, my fiance and I, I, we, you know, we got, we both got very agitated and I was sort of like, had to really step back and I, I was like, I I feel so much rage and frustration specifically towards Joe Manchin. Um, I I hate the way that moderates ha- and and moderates on both like both of, of the v- GOP variety and Democrat moderates feel like they are above it all and get to say like well, the liberals are sort of causing there to be absolutely no progress on policy. It's like, that is not true. AOC w- votes the party line 
when she has to, you know, and she'll say she's very clear when she doesn't, but she's never like the one person not voting for something. She mm-hmm. always votes with Democrats on policy. She is able to prioritize like s- slower progress, but progress nonetheless. And she does that. She makes those tough votes that her, her even more liberal constituents don't agree with. Joe Manchin he never says exactly what he will actually vote for. He has never pulled together a coalition. This is he and and our president, Joe Biden, like none, these fucks have not reached across the aisle. These people who we are supposed to be voting for because they are pragmatic are doing absolutely nothing. They aren't fulfilling mm-hmm. their promises to their voters. Um, I, I am... I have, I have fucking had it. I've had it with Joe Manchin. And I would honestly welcome him just transitioning to be a Republican because he is not a Democrat. He doesn't vote with Democrats on any, almost any values-based things. And if he did, and if he cared about progress, and if he cared about the very precarious situation that we're in as a country, and if he cared about Democrats keeping power, he would be working really hard to tell Joe Manchin or to tell Joe Biden that all the old men Joes that are in charge of every fucking <laughs> Joe thing, to Joe <laughs> from Joe to Joe, you know, he would be working hard to say, this is what I will vote for. And, and, and then Joe Biden will say, okay, well, fuck. Okay, fine. Here's, and then he will bring everyone in and he'll say, here's what they, you know, here's what my co-Joe will vote for. So <laughs> we, this is what we just have to do. That doesn't happen. That does not happen. And I think that's partially because it's way more convenient and probably a lot more profitable for Joe Manchin to remain ambiguous about what he, you know, ambiguous, but interested, always interested, always kind of up for chatting, but never like, oh, I'm here for a deal. Yeah. I'm just, come on guys. What does he say? He'll say, he says gang, just like Joe Biden does like, Hey gang, I'm just, I'm just here trying to find out what's going to be a common sense solution for everyone. It's like, fuck you. Fuck you. He's ruining the future of the world. Literally. (laughs) He is. I mean, he is. There are so many things that need to be fixed and, and the, and Joe Manchin represents the moderates and Joe Biden. They both, I mean, the moderates that are not getting things done. So I, I, if anything, it like makes me more radicalized because it's sort of like on the left, because I just think like you guys continue to tell us that we have to vote for you because you know how to reach across the aisle. We, you haven't done anything bipartisan. Mm. Like you could barely pass partisan. You've done nothing. You've done nothing partisan. You've done, you've done nothing. So I just, this is yet another situation where Joe Manchin fails with the Democrats. It just reminds me that Joe Biden is failing and there's nothing happening. The, there is a, everything. The whole agenda stalled. We're never going back to build back better because Joe Manchin shit all over it. And Joe Biden caved to that. Um, I, my anger at this is, is at an all time high. Um, and excuse me while I just pour myself more tea and take a yoga class. Cause like, fuck, <laughs> we see you. Yeah. Joe Manchin is Anytime I see a headline and Joe Manchin name, like his name is in it, I'm just buckle what up. What did you do now? What did, what did you stop in its tracks? Mm-hmm. What was gonna be good? And then you're like, mm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I know you thought we had a Democratic majority, but like oh, I'm here, so like you can't get anything done. And like you we'll can't. see who's elected next. Will it be Donald Trump? Will everything explode because I'm a little piece of shit who needs my little money in my pockets? I want. I want. I'm not a violent person but i would love to smack joe mansion yeah right on his stupid old cheek yeah anyway not a threat i hope his little good time yacht sinks 
<laughs> yeah, it should. Well, and everyone gets out safely. No one's on. Yes, it. no one's on it. But just, just sink not. boat and it become a become a land for the blobfish and the seals. <laughs> they deserve exactly. it. They deserve a little vacation. Yes, they do. What we're doing to their environment. <laughs> Poor animals. Anyway, more bad things. Um. So in the past, uh, so over a two week period in D.C. and New York, um, there have been a bunch of unprompted shootings and attacks on unhoused people who are sleeping outside, mm. um, including two murders. Um, in DC, there were police uh, that responded to a tent fire to find that the person inside had stab wounds and gunshot wounds and, mm. and died. Um, in New York, there was the murder of a man who was, it was caught on video. He was sleeping in his sleeping bag. Um, and the person who shot him looked around to make sure no one was there and murdered the person who the person experiencing homelessness in his sleeping bag. Um, the I mean, this is all incredibly chilling and awful and disgusting, and they've sort of drawn attention to the policies on homelessness in DC and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and both both places, both cities, there have been actions recently. Um for let's see adams banned unhoused people from sleeping in the subway and then bowser was pushing to close certain um large homeless encampments mm-hmm. um, and both adams and bowser are are standing by their opinions on that but homeless advocates are saying that the policies have pushed some people experiencing homelessness further to the margins where they're less safe um and now advocates are asking for more money specifically to bowser um, $26 million in her upcoming budget to permanently house 500 individuals and 260 families. Um, the thing is housing people who are experiencing homelessness sounds expensive, um, but funding housing is more cost effective than arresting the people in encampments, trying to disperse the, the encampments. It's mm-hmm. also like the human being thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, the fact that there's this person going around killing homeless people in cold blood, um, I think speaks to a lot more than like an isolated incident. I think we've been dehumanizing people that are experiencing homelessness. I think there's a lot of blame toward them. I think there's also this vigilantism that's mm-hmm. been cropping up all over in all kinds of different ways. And I think this is one aspect of it where it's like, I don't like this. So I'm going to put an end to it mm-hmm. um, while sort of taking away the humanity of these people. So, I mean, obviously we see you <laughs> to the person who attacked and murdered these people experiencing homelessness, but also to the larger um, movement of vigilantism and the, there are more people experiencing homelessness now because of the pandemic and because of many things and, that's not a reason to go out and shoot people. Mm-hmm. Just put out a limb there. Um, you know, I, I understand that in in there are situations where there are people experiencing homelessness, and there are also other comorbidities that maybe make people feel unsafe that are around those people. Mm-hmm. That also doesn't mean shoot them. You know, <laughs> it means advocate for funding mm-hmm. um, for mental health resources for resources for people experiencing homelessness. There's 
there are ways to go about trying to solve this problem and none of those ways are killing people yeah um because at various points over the years it's like the <laughs> the chances of going into poverty or losing your home was within grasp of a lot of americans it's, i think there's it's quick we're quick to other people mm-hmm. um without realizing how quickly it could be us or someone that we care about so mm-hmm. obviously we see you to, to the people who are attacking individuals who are just trying to fucking sleep on the streets because they have nowhere else to go yeah we see you it's so sad and um such a such an an issue that really urgently urgently needs to be dealt with and like i mean everywhere but specifically like there's i mean just the cities the cities are needed like we need to like really really come up with something yeah. and do something cuz it's it's a Fund it's a huge it. problem <laughs> yeah. funding just widespread like oh god anyway yeah damn so frustrating um yeah my last we see you is um johnson and johnson um so recently last week um unsealed documents showed that johnson and johnson helped fund a study 50 years ago that involved um injecting asbestos into black inmates mostly black inmates um yeah so it just um this one kind of stopped me in my tracks um there was a report like in 2018 that sort of detailed um, that Johnson and Johnson was basically not being transparent about the asbestos in its talc um, and that they had known from even in the 1950s that um, their baby powder um, had, quote, rather high levels of asbestos. Um, So that was sort of a problem that came up and and came to light in – a 2018 study. Um, but it also just led me down this path to look, um, at this, um, dermatologist, uh, that was at university of Pennsylvania conducting experiments on inmates, um, at the Holmesburg prison in Pennsylvania, the same place where he was the one who did this, um, asbestos injection, but he was doing a lot of unethical, um, experiments, human experiments at this prison for decades. Um, so it just recently, just recently had come, came about that Johnson and Johnson was involved. Um, and their response was just saying, we deeply regret the condition conditions under which these studies were conducted and in no way do they reflect, reflect the values or practices we employ today. Um, but yeah, I just found this really dark and I feel like when this stuff comes to light, I mean, it, it really didn't get a lot of like talk about terrible things below the top headlines. It just like really didn't get, a whole lot of attention and I know there's a lot of other stuff going on but I I think that we just it's important to pause when information like this comes out I mean yeah it was 50 years ago but that was 1971 it doesn't really feel like that long ago um you know it's it's uh it contributes to um I think people just I mean again prison system is a whole other thing but like the ex- exploitation of 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 humans um, in our country now and then and um, mistrust of, um, I think, science, public health, clinical trials. I mean, it just, and especially in communities of color, it, it, like when this these inf- pieces of information come out, it's just totally understandable why it has a chilling effect. Um, and it's just something that um, I think was is pretty horrifying that it was okay at that time. And um, it seemed like 
these um, these experiments with um, this this doc dermatologist, Dr. Albert Kligman. Um, you know, he might have to be a another. We see you all in himself. Um, it seems like. Um, the University of Pennsylvania knew that his his prison experiments um, a lot of the time were non-therapeutic, meaning that the agents being tested were actually not meant to benefit human subjects. Um, so I just, it's really rough, just really rough, really dark. And um, so um, it's just, so it's just a we see you to Johnson & Johnson though, first, first and foremost, because it's kind of like you were a big company then and, um, you know, there's no excuse there's no excuse for that so we see you yeah 50 years wasn't that long ago <laughs> no no in the lifetime of all of our parents and, right uh some listeners your own lifetime so yeah not ancient history and uh far from it far from it far from it a good thing <laughs> a good thing um the only one i have is um as always also sad um <laughs> me but... too it's so good Oh, great. Uh, in the southeast of Poland, um, they're rebuilding abandoned train tracks to help transport more Ukrainian refugees who are fleeing the war. So yeah, the good but... aspect of that <laughs> is people helping other people. And, you know, and you've seen a, we've seen a lot of that in Ukraine and surrounding areas um, mm -hmm. in response to the war crimes that are being committed against yeah. ukrainians and you know the bombing of maternity wards and children's hospitals and mosques and all these things mm -hmm. um so the good part <laughs> circling circling back is that we are seeing um individuals in other countries stepping up um to some extent and i think that repurposing those those tracks in that way to help refugees is a it's a good example of that yeah that's that's great um, that was, I was really glad to see that. Um, yeah, the only thing that I had was that, um, kids are, uh, picking up, there's, uh, there was a video circulating of kids picking up free copies of banned books outside the Texas state Capitol, um, because schools are trying to make sure that all those banned books are available for free to the kids that want to read them. Yes. That makes me <laughs> happy. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> mm -hmm. uh, feels like there are forces fighting one another in this world isn't it mm. yeah mm. yes indeed we don't know what's gonna win or where we're gonna end up doing no but... no no ah mm. well feminists without mystique is part of the frolic podcast network find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts bye